So we continue our series um, into the promised land. And as we head to the promised land um, today, we have that famous story. Well, for those that have been Christians for some time, you you might know this story well. The story of Jethro. And if you've been in leadership or management within church, you will also know this story because it's the story that people pull out, isn't it? This is the story that we, we try to encourage people. Now, in, in, in our communities, in our organisations, we need to raise up other leaders and delegate. This is important. And, and so for those of us that have been in leadership and management, this is the, this is the Bible story you go to. This is the one. And it's good, and I've used it in that way, but, but the great danger is to read God's word in a reductionist way in that what we do is we assume that God's word is simply an instruction manual for life. And again, I have used that analogy at times, but again, that is a reductionist view of God's word. It's not just an instruction manual for life. It's not as though God's great concern is that we just get on with doing what he wants. God's concern is your heart and my heart. And he wants it. He wants you to open your heart to him. A person can do the right things. A person can have the right leadership and management skills. But God wants our hearts. God wants the hearts of the Israelites. This passage is about so much more than leadership and management. It's an invitation to know and reflect the heart of God more deeply. And so today, we are looking at um, Exodus 15, sorry, Exodus 18. Um, I think I'm not able to control, Gary, if you can move that to the next slide, thanks. So yes, Exodus 18, 13 to 27, and it is Jethro giving some wise advice. And so we'll look at that, but we'll look a little bit more deeply than that, and we'll listen a little bit more deeply, because I believe that God is calling out, as he was then, he was speaking and longing for the hearts of his people, just as he is today. And so, um, let's look at this. Let's look at this passage together. And, and our first question is, what was Moses doing? You know, as Jethro comes, what, what did Jethro see? What was Moses doing? And so, Moses, uh, very quickly we see in Exodus 18.13. Thanks, Gary. Next slide. Um, it says, the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people. And then we see in um, 15, we read that Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. And then we read in verse 16, uh, when, whenever they had a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. So he's serving as judge. The people are coming to him to hear and discern God's will and he's deciding between them 
and is making God's decrees and instructions clear. He's fulfilling the role of a prophet is what he's doing. This is what prophets were. They were spokespeople for God. You might remember Moses' very calling as God spoke to him from the burning bush and he was telling him what he would do. And, and Moses is a bit afraid and, and doesn't want to, he's not sure about going. And what does God say to him? He says, um, he says, you shall speak to him and put his words in his mouth. Oh, sorry, he, uh, whoa, 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 I lost where I was. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. That's what God says to him. I will help you and teach you what to say. God is going to put his words in Moses' mouth. When we think of prophets, we actually think of Moses. He's the one we go to, the first great prophet. There is a small um, description of Abraham being a prophet, but Moses is the one we look to. A great prophet. And of all the prophets in the Bible, there's this uh, a famous phrase that will often um, occur in the books by the prophets. The word of the Lord came to. The word of the Lord came to Joel. The word of the Lord came to Amos. The word of the Lord came to Obadiah. The prophets were spokespeople for God. They weren't there to share their own opinion. They weren't there to share their own ideas. They were there to share the word of God. Moses is a spokesperson for God, representing God. But what is God's word? It's his will. It's his purpose. It's his heart. That as God speaks, we hear God speak. We hear his heart. And so Moses here is fulfilling the role of a prophet. But of course, he's doing it alone. And that's where Jethro takes the critique. And so we see in the next slide, um, in Exodus 14, uh, sorry, Exodus 18, 14, he's, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge? Why do you alone sit as judge? And then he says in verse 18, you and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. So it's fine that Moses is fulfilling this task, but he's doing it alone. That's, that's Jethro's critique. You're doing it alone. You're going to wear yourself out. So what is Jethro's advice in this situation? Well, what does Jethro say? He says... Um, in verses 21, 22, and 23. But select capable men from all the people and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So here we have that practical advice, you know, uh, delegate, raise up other people, have them serve as judges for the people. And uh, if you do this and God so commands, You'll be able to stand the strain and all the people will go home satisfied. And so Moses is instructed with this practical advice. It's good, sound advice. 
we'd say say it's wise advice. Maybe even prophetic. And maybe I'm pushing pushing it here. Jethro, prophetic. I'm not calling him a prophet, but, but, but let's think about what the prophet's task was. As the prophet spoke for God, what they were doing was they were bringing God's word to bear upon the past and present circumstances and interpret them accordingly. So the prophet would come along and they would speak into a situation and they would bring God's word to bear. Do you want to know what's happening? This is what's happening. And their words had the power to form and shape both the present and the future depending on how people responded. Prophets came in and they spoke into a given situation. Here Jethro comes and he sees and he speaks. But is he speaking God's words? Well, in verse 23, where it says, um, if you do this and God so commands, many commentators actually say that actually rings with a lot more force. It's almost as though he's saying, if you do this as God commands, since when did Jethro start hearing from God? Because I haven't properly introduced you to Jethro. If we read from the beginning of chapter 18, you'd see that Jethro is a Midianite priest. A Midianite priest. The Midianites worshipped many different gods. What did he know of Yahweh? He might have known something. Certainly, he'd been spending nearly 40 years with Moses. Moses had married Jethro's daughter Zipporah. He'd know something of Yahweh, but he was a Midianite priest. Who was this Midianite priest now coming and speaking? And speaking in such a way that his advice we, we will often use. And we imagine that this is good advice, sound advice, wise advice. Can Jethro truly be speaking on behalf of God? So what is Jethro's advice? It is wise counsel, maybe even prophetic. But from a foreigner? From someone outside of God's people? How can he be a spokesperson for God? Well, let me introduce him again. So, at the beginning of chapter 18, he's coming to Moses. He says to Moses, he's heard. He's heard of what God has done in bringing the Israelites out. And he tells Moses, I'm coming and I'm bringing your wife and children. Um, At some point, Moses had sent his wife and children back to his father-in-law. Maybe it was when he headed off to Egypt. Maybe it was while he was in Egypt and things were looking a bit unsafe. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But at some point, Moses had sent back his wife and children to his father-in-law. And so now his father-in-law, having heard what God has done for the people of Israel, or the, the Israelites, he says, I'm coming, I'm bringing your wife and kids. And as they meet, Moses declares to him. So he's heard, but then Moses declares what God has done. He tells him all that God has done. And in that moment, Moses, in a sense, is prophesying. He's talking about the events that have taken place. And then he's declaring that God has done this. 
And then, it's in verse um, 11, where Jethro says something. And if I could say, you know, so you've got to be careful sometimes, but if I, if I could say that the chapter, what's the key verse, I'd, I'd say it's possibly this one. Jethro says this, Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. For he did this to those who had um, treated Israel arrogantly. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all other gods. There is a confession of Jethro. Now he knows that the Lord is greater than all other gods. This is a confession of faith, of belief. And this is not just any God. This is now the Lord, Yahweh, the name that God told Moses to share with the people, Yahweh. Now I know that Yahweh is greater than all other gods. And so Jethro here, indeed, may be speaking on behalf of God as he shares this advice and shares this word. But where is this pointing? Where is this heading? What is God's purposes in this as this is unfolding? What do we see of God's purposes? And I think that what we see is that all might share in the prophetic voice. And well, today, the prophetic voice of the church, to make the Lord known and reflect his heart. Have I leaped too far ahead? Have I jumped too far? I read the scriptures as a Christian. And so when I read it, I look to see where was it pointing? Where was it heading? And so Moses alone was not the only one that would be able to draw near to God. He was to find others that could also speak on behalf of God. But where was this heading? Was it just that still there'd be a certain number that could do this task? Speak? As though they were speaking the words of God? Where was this heading? Well, in Hebrews... Chapter 8, verses 10 to 13. Now, I could have taken this actually from uh, Jeremiah if I wanted, um, because it's just quoting Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 33 to 34. But I took it from Hebrews because I want to, again, demonstrate what it means to be prophetic. So the writer in Hebrews takes something that was already written, that had already been prophesied, and he's speaking into his circumstance, into his time where Jesus has come. And he's saying what was prophesied is now taken place. He's making clear and interpreting what's taken place. There's a new covenant, a new way to come before God, and all can come before God through Jesus. And so he says, this is the covenant I will establish. He's quoting Jeremiah. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. And then the writer goes on to interpret what this all means. 
By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and outdated will soon disappear. God's people are continuing this prophetic message that Jesus has come. He is the way, the open way, that we can all come into the very presence of God. And as God pours out his spirit upon us, we become spokespeople for God. Sometimes we look out at the world and it looks so troubled in so many different ways. Never has there been a time, well, all throughout time, our world's remedy, the remedy to our malady, the remedy to our troubles has always been the message of God's word, the message of his love that we now see in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is a message that we are all responsible for. We are all to take out and share. And if you think I'm still going too far, maybe thinking, you know, have I pushed it too far? This was just a message. If we read it in its context, in its time, it was a message to raise up leaders, to delegate, but it was pointing to something far more. And I think Moses even saw it. Because some two years later, from this event that we read about, some two years later, a similar situation occurs. Moses is burdened. Again, the people are complaining about food and wishing they were back in Egypt. This is some two years later. Some people thought it was the same event. It's two years later, if you look carefully. And Moses cries out to God. And again, similar situation. God's, God says, okay, fine. Gather 70 elders, 70 people. Bring them before me at the tent. And so Moses gathers them. Two of them are not there. They're still in the camp. But the others are there. And God says, I'm going to take some of the spirit that is on you and I'm going to put it on them. And as this happens... They start prophesying, these elders. They start prophesying. I don't know what this prophesying was. It says that they never did it again. It sounds like an extraordinary kind of prophesying. I don't know if it was in other, another language or what it was. It says that they didn't do it again. But as they're prophesying, the two that weren't there, they're in the camp. They start prophesying. And then a young man runs over to Moses and says, so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, rather than so-and-so and so-and-so, it was Eldad and Medad. <laughs> they, they, he says Eldad and Medad, they're prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, Moses' aide, jumps <laughs> to Moses' defence. To his defence? Why to his defence? But he says, um, Moses, my Lord, stop them. What's he trying to protect? He's trying to protect Moses' authority, Moses' power. Moses is a spokesperson for God. Who, is the, who are these other people just randomly in the camp prophesying? Listen carefully. This is two years on from this event where his father-in-law had instructed him. Listen to Moses' words. Moses says, But Moses replied, Are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them.
that event of Jethro coming and speaking, yes, I believe that at the moment that Jethro confessed his belief and trust in Yahweh as greater than all other gods, I believe that God was able to use him powerfully. And he did. And then Moses saw and then prophesied himself, I wish all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And we live in the time when that has happened. We are God's people. We are his spokespeople to share a message of God's great love. Our hope, and oh, how people need hope. Our hope is in the Lord. People need hope. And God's people need courage and confidence. All God's spokespeople still need leaders, still need teachers, but all God's spokespeople continue to learn, to draw near to God so that they can hear God, to consider how they can draw near, to encourage one another to draw near so that we can hear the voice of God and proclaim it boldly. Let me pray. Lord God, you have spoken through your Son and we have heard his message of your great love for us. I pray that through your Holy Spirit and by your word, you would empower your people, you would empower us to speak your word, your word of hope, your word of love, that we would speak the name Jesus into a world desperately in need of you. We ask this for your sake. Amen. Because of what Jesus has done, there's nothing holding us back. God wants us to step right into his presence, right into his love, to hear his voice, to hear him speak. I'd like to invite you to stand. We're going to sing. Nothing holding me back. Let's sing and draw closer into his presence now.